My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. And agents, when you're on good terms with them, they will, they will spill a lot of beans, so, which, which is good. So, yeah, that's, I think that's, that's the aha moment for me. In, and, and it's applicable not just in property, you know, in, in everything else. You, you will go to a car dealer and you can apply the same technique. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Torin Shum and in this episode, we're back with mechanical engineer Pramek Borek. We hear about his tricks of the trade you can apply to your daily life, the power of the sound of silence and how he talked down a property price from $850,000 to $680,000 but it didn't stop there. Borek believes now is the most challenging time for developers because the market is so difficult. You can't secure property that will actually have some numbers that will work on that. Everything sells for more than what I would pay for it. So it's definitely the most challenging period for me because yeah, since we sold that last one, yeah, I just can't find anything that will stack up financially. And it's been, well, it's been about eight, nine months now. So, but talking to the other people, I'm, I'm, I'm not the only one, which is, you know, <laughs> it's not something that I'm doing wrong. So, okay, everyone's in the same boat, obviously. So, but yeah, if, I think things are changing. Like this week, I definitely had more phone calls from the agents, whereas in the last six months, it was just basically nothing because whatever they get, they just sell it. They just sell it straight away. Whereas this week, yeah, I had a few phone calls, so I'm thinking, oh, maybe we're just about to reach a peak. Because some of the the campaigns, yeah, I don't think they go they go as planned. So yeah, so it's just watch this space. You know, I keep saying it's a cycle. You know, and at some stage, yeah, you know, people won't be able to just afford it anymore. And yeah, I think there's more properties now coming to the market, which obviously changes the dynamic. So yeah, be, be, be patient, be patient. When it's challenging time, just be patient. I think that's my advice. In these eight or nine months, he discovers some things that just didn't make sense. No profit in the projects and in some cases losses, like yeah, really big losses. So it's an interesting one because even with the agents, I'm not sure if you notice, probably many people notice that they actually stop advertising the prices. It was just for sale. 
because even agents couldn't put a price against it. They just let it let it run its way and see, you know, who's gonna pay the most, you know. So I did make a lot of offers, but yeah, none of them was ever accepted because obviously yeah, I have to buy it below market value. And given the market's crazy, you know, what's the current market value? So I could only look at the information from like six months ago, which wouldn't be anywhere near close what's happening right now. So, yeah. So, yeah, we've seen a lot of auctions as a result of it because that obviously yeah, stimulates that market and competition. There's just way too many emotional buyers at the moment and they will just pay whatever they're willing to pay. He knew property was where he wanted to go when he realized the power of negotiation. Once you discover, you know, what other side wants, you've got a huge advantage. So the reason we managed to buy um, our two recent properties below the market values value was the first one, the owners actually lived remotely, so they couldn't look after the property and they just wanted to get rid of it. You know, when we discovered structural issues with the property, they knew straight away, okay, that's going to be bigger than we thought. Let's just get rid of it, you know. So that's why we managed to negotiate, you know, a good price. And it was the exact same thing with the with the latest one that we renovated in the middle of pandemic. And this is a state, and people lived remotely too in New South Wales. They only managed to come and clean up the property, you know, remove all the old furniture, and they just left it as it was, you know, original house built in 50s with original kitchen and, and stuff like that. So it wasn't really aesthetically pleasing, if that makes sense. So when we offered, originally we offered them 450000 and they said, no, we'll go to auction. We'll start the campaign and we'll go to auction. Okay, that's fair enough. And about after a week, they realized that there wasn't many people interested because it was really a rundown house. So they came back and said, oh, listen, you know, would you would you sign the contract at 450? And I said, well, that's fine, but I need to check from the building past whether the property is actually worth it before I sign the contract. And they were happy for us to do it. So we got the build and pass guy and he did the report, which was probably 50 pages long. Whoa. <laughs> so it's obviously so a lot I of problems there. The agent, <laughs> exactly, exactly. You, know, you have to find the right build and pass guy too. And basically I, I rang the agent on the day and I said, listen, I, I don't think it's going to work at that price. You know, the property has got a lot of issues. And she said, well, send me the report send a report and she rang me like a few hours later he's like so what do i do with it <laughs> so and that's that's when the negotiation starts because what we did we said well the house has no value so i'm happy to buy it at the land value minus demolition costs and an hour later i got the phone call saying yes and i think that was that aha moment once you once you discover what the other side wants, you know, if they really want to get rid of it, they got it for free. They don't really care if it's, you know, 300 or 400 K, they just want to get rid of it. You've got, you know, a, a huge advantage, you know? And yeah, I, I did spend a lot of that time preparing for it. Like, you know, after I did that course with Nyan in November, for the next couple of months, I was reading a book about the negotiations and, you know, and, 
and, and people psychology and stuff like that. So it takes a bit of a preparation to basically get all the information from the other party. And, and agents, when you're on good terms with them, they will, they will spill a lot of beans, so, which, which is good. So, yeah, that's, I think that's, that's the aha moment for me. In, and, and it's applicable not just in property, you know, in, in everything else. You, you will go to a car dealer and you can apply the same techniques, you know. And... He shares his tips on how to negotiate and most of it hinges on one simple principle. Always listen to what people have to say and don't interrupt them. <laughs> and always and never question things. Never ask why. Just just remove that word completely from your vocabulary. Even if they say we want a million bucks for it, just don't ask them why. Just ask them, okay, what's the basis of it? And that automatically triggers them to actually say more. And they will realize that they, they don't have any arguments because there's no comparable sales data or anything like it, you know? And, and that's when they start to think about it. Oh, why do I really want that much? That's phenomenal. Actually, I love that because it, it, I guess if you ask the why, it's the emotional coming out of it saying, you know, I need this money to go and buy yada, yada, yada. They are defensive. When you say why, they are defensive. They want to defend their the opinion. When you ask them, what's the basis? How can I make it work? That's when they start to think and they try to help you. And then you make it into a win-win situation because they're trying to get out of a, a pain that they're going through, whereas you're trying to also you know, help the situation but also make it a, a win-win situation for yourself too where you can make a profit. That, that's exactly right. And I had that example this week and the, the owner rang me. Actually, no, she texted me and explained the situation and she said, I'm, I'm after 850K. Okay, fair enough. Let's have a chat. And I asked this question, on what basis? Because the most, you know, comparable data for the similar property was sold three weeks ago for 680. So we got down to 680 pretty quickly, but I want less than that. That's such a big, big drop in price. But I guess as soon as you take the emotion out of it and you look at the facts and the figures, wow, you know, it opens up a whole new world. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So, and as I said, it, it works everywhere. You know, my wife uses it whenever she goes to, you know, op shops or stuff like that. So, yeah. So, it's like you, your wife and yourself have definitely delved into a lot of negotiation books and learned all the skills now. <laughs> well, we did, yeah. And I've got a one book that I think I, I read it probably 17 times now and every time I discover something new. <laughs> it's booked, uh, written by Chris Voss. He's an ex-FBI agent that used to work as a negotiator for FBI and the book is called Never Split the Difference. You probably heard about it. It's a great book, but obviously it references some other books, you know. So to get a full picture, you need to read the other ones as well, you know. And some of them date back to like, you know, 1920s, you know, when, when they started talking about negotiations and, you know, emotions and stuff like that. So this book is a, is a great starting point, but to make it a full picture, you need to read all the other ones, in my opinion. And and you will learn quite a lot from it. However, the book itself, it's, it's got all the essence you need. So, yeah, as long as you practice all the things there, I think you'll be on the right track. The thing is to actually practice it. And even if you don't need something, just practice it. Every time you can, you practice it. You know, I remember I had a period of time that I would go to a dealership and just try to get the best possible price on the car I could get. And you get like 10%, 15%, you know, and if you think they are they are well trained, 
but you apply some of those techniques and you can definitely negotiate the prices. Coming up after the break, we delve into Boric's goal of self-sufficiency. I don't really want myself to be attached, you know, to that, you know, mindset or methodology that I always have to work for someone. I, I just don't want to be in that position that I'm so reliant on that job. And if I lose it, I, I just lose everything. How his early career suited his mindset at the time and what's different now? And as an engineer, you know, we naturally introverts. We don't network well. <laughs> so, you know, being in a crowd of people where I have no idea about the subject, I, I think was a bit intimidating for me. And yeah, I, I didn't do it. But right now, I'm just completely different. And it's a lot about mindset. He reveals where in the property arena he sees himself going next. Well, we know that it's difficult to achieve good rental yields in residential property at the moment. So I started educating myself a little bit more in commercial space. So I'm looking at some, you know, economical factors at the moment. And that's up next. I'm Taran Sham and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey property investor, is your cash or equity currently earning you 1 to 2% per annum sitting in the bank? What if I said to you that you can do better? To find out more, simply register your interest to become a money partner at propertyinvestory.com. Right now, there are great opportunities in the property market and I'm looking for money partners who want to invest to get a higher return with low risk on their money for 6 months. Register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. Seeing his father retire three years ago and seeing himself taking the same path is what convinced Warwick to take the plunge into property. I knew I had to find other ways and yes, I've got a, I've got a good job, pays me reasonably well but you know, it's good but it's not great if you know what I mean. So I knew I had to find other ways and property I think is, is one of those things where you can really make it work, you know. Because it's, it's, you can play with different exit strategies, you know, you can negotiate things and it's just too many options, I reckon, you know, and which is great, which is great. And, and that was really my, my moment when I realized, okay, if, I, if I'm going to do something about my life and investing, it's got to be in property. I look at, you know, stock market, share market and things like that. Uh, I think it's a bit of a gamble, you know, and I'm an engineer, so I'm a conservative. I always put risk, you know, factors everywhere. And I, I just couldn't take it, you know. Surely there's money there too, but it's probably for people who can, yeah, play with their nerves a little bit more than I can. <laughs> so, so yeah, that, that was about three years ago. And, yeah, since then, yeah, I've been obviously educating myself quite a lot because, yeah, I realized that I can't do it on my own. You know, you have to have a team, especially when it comes to development. You know, you have to have town planners, civil engineers, lawyers, accountants, you know, all the people that will actually help you. Otherwise, yeah, you, you'll make mistakes and there's nothing works to, to, to make your own mistakes. Just learn from other people's mistakes. And there's a lot of information available, you know, the, the simple thing you can do is just basically 
go to, you know, property catch-ups and meetups once a month, you know, and you will meet people, you will hear the stories. And yeah, that, that's that's the great starting point. Well, it was for me at least. Uh, I do it regularly. Uh, every month yeah, I go to the, to the meetup, you know, I know probably most of the people there. But every time I still learn, you know, new stories and yeah, new things, which is good. So, yeah, that's been my last three years, lots of education and, yeah, and doing things, start small, I guess, you know, don't start with anything big because you can probably make mistake. But if you can start with something small, you know, the mistake may not be as painful. His main goal is to achieve financial freedom and at his current age, he's already got retirement on his mind. I realized, especially last year when, you know, when the pandemic hit, um, when you work for someone, you've got nothing guaranteed, you know, like our business had to make a few people redundant and one day they are good workers and next day they don't have a job. So I don't really want myself to be attached, you know, to that, you know, mindset or methodology that I always have to work for someone. I I just don't want to be in that position that I'm so reliant on that job. And if I lose it, I, I just lose everything. So Financial freedom is definitely something that I look forward to. And my goal is to basically retire at 57, but not retire as a retire, but achieve financial freedom by 57. I'm 43 at the moment, so I still have a few years to go. But but at 57, I would like to be comfortable that, okay, I don't have to work anymore, the money flows in, but I would like to pass on that knowledge to my kids, you know, and, and have them to basically follow the same thing, like build a business, you know, and, and start doing your things and don't rely on someone else giving you money, whether it's, you know, employer or government. If he could go back, he would tell himself to start what he's doing now 10 years ago. There's a bit of a story about it. Um, I remember I was uh, looking at some property, you know, course or seminar i remember about 10 years ago about it was 2010 when we we're doing the first renovation and i remember I, I signed up to it and i even got the ticket in the mail and i look at the tickets thinking uh i'll probably go there and they'll try to sell me something and that was my mistake 10 years ago that was my mistake because i should have gone there listened to whatever they had to say and talk to other people but at that stage i don't think my mindset was there and as an engineer, you know, we, we naturally introverts. We don't network well. <laughs> so, you know, being in a crowd of people where I have no idea about the subject, I, I think was a bit intimidating for me. And yeah, I, I didn't do it. But right now I'm just completely different. And it's a lot about mindset. Looking forward to the future. What are you excited most about over the next five years for you? Well, I'm hoping I'll, I'll quit my day job and I'll, I'll do property full time. That's, that's the ultimate goal for the next three years, really, for me. So simple as that. <laughs> we know that it's difficult to achieve good rental yields in residential property at the moment. So I started educating myself a little bit more in commercial space. So I'm looking at some, you know, economical factors at the moment. You know, obviously, we've got a, a bit of a tension with China and I can see there will be probably some opportunities in Australia to actually start manufacturing. So I reckon commercial, especially industrial um, properties will, will grow, grow up in value in the next probably three to five years. 
And that's why I started looking at right now that might be a good time to actually secure something right now, like an industrial warehouse somewhere in, you know, North Queensland, you know, close to port. And, and I think that's, that's, that's what we're going to do because we know there's, there's good rental yields in those, you know, we're looking 10, 12%, you know, whereas in residential, you know, you barely get three, four, unless you do a massive improvement to the property. And even that, you know, you're spending money. So, so that's, that's definitely on the cards and yeah, learn a little bit more and, and look at it. And especially with, you know, like a, a super animation, self-managed super fund, you know, if I could utilize, you know, some of that money towards that, you know, that could be a win-win because that will prepare me for my retirement, you know, and as well. So, yeah, so that's definitely on the cards for the, for the next probably few months to, yeah, research it a little bit more. And then, yeah, I'm hoping yeah, in three years' time I'll, I'll quit my day job and we'll do property and, yeah, just, just keep doing what I probably know, you know, like small renovations and hopefully subdivisions and, yeah, maybe grow a little bit bigger, you know, a bit more risky stuff. It's all calculated risk at the end of the day. So, you know, <laughs> we, all, we all know that there is some risks in, in property development, but it's all calculated risks. It is, you know, the, the only thing is with the, you know, big developments, you know, you, you look at, you have to look at, you know, two years, you know, it's not next six months, it's usually two years. And as we both know, the market can change dramatically, you know, in that period. So, yeah, there's definitely got to be more fat, you know, in those sort of projects than in smaller, you know, residential, you know, renovations, etc. How much of your success do you think at the moment has been due to your skill, intelligence and hard work and how much of it do you think has been because of luck? Well, I think we have to throw in mindset as well, Tyron, because this one I can see as being the the most important for me because skills, yeah, you can learn them on a the project but if your mind's not there, you will never do anything. You can be the most skilled person but you will never do the project because you'll be always looking at excuses. So mindset, I think, is probably for me like 70, 80%, I would say. And then if I'm not skilled or experienced in something, there's always people that can help me with it. I don't need to know anything. And it's probably better if I don't know anything because it's likely I'll make a mistake. I would say 70% mindset, um, 20% education because you you have to have a, a good idea about what you're doing. And, you know, you look at things on the on the paper, you know, looks like, okay, I could do this, 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 but then you realize, hang on, it may affect, you know, town planning or, or civil engineering. So that's when I go to specialized people, you know, that know more about this stuff. But you have to have a, a reasonably good idea, otherwise you're wasting other people's time too. So education and mindset, I reckon, are the most important ones. I think market, yeah, will, will offer you some of that. Like, yeah, I know people probably purchased properties you know a year ago really cheap and now they're just lucky you know with what's happening you know and some of them they were just buy and hold you know i, I read the story the other day that uh, someone bought a splitted block in sungate he replaced the carpets and a year later he sold it for 120k more you know he did nothing just buy and hold so he didn't have to be too clever he was just lucky you know just imagine if if the market you know, crashed, you know, would have been different stories. So. 
Thank you to Pumarek Borak, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. And if you love the show and are ready to get serious about investing your money to get a low risk, high return, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a money partner. Right now, there are great opportunities in the property market and I'm looking for money partners who want to invest their money for a short 6 months. To register interest, text me your name and email address on 0499881040. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. 